Let's talk some tennis because Kuyong is iconic and it's back tomorrow, I think. The tournament director at Kuyong, Peter Johnson, has been good enough to join me for a chat. Peter, great to have you back. It's always good to hear your voice. <laughs> hey, Dwayne. Happy New Year to you and good to talk to you. And always good to talk about Kuyong as well. We've been talking about great venues uh, yesterday and Kuyong is an iconic venue. It's always nice to be going back there. I know you always want to reinvent and remodel, but there's something beautiful about Kuyong. It's just got that era, that uh, that time of era that we all grew up in that hopefully still holds true even in 2024. Yeah, well, we, we try to stay true to that as well, Dwayne, really. Like even I'm just looking out over the um, like the grass area, which we call the Kuyong Common, where all the bars and the um, the food and the kids' activities, etc. And that, you know, I think people like to come down even, you know, to feel like you're on the grass area and the, the stadium still looks a treat. You know, a lot of the layout with the corporate boxes is similar to when you look at the old Davis Cup ties and Australian Opens, you know, so it's, but it's, it's looking really schmick and, you know, it's, it's, it's still, and it's very contemporary at, at the moment. So. And the players love playing there, Peter. You've got a good list again. Yeah, well, I think, this year, Dwayne, it's worked out pretty well with the Australian Open doing this Sunday start. And what we try to do is say, look, here's the perfect final tune-up for the Australian Open, as you know. And I think with the Sunday start for the Australian Open, a lot of guys and girls didn't really want to go, say, play in Adelaide where they might finish on Saturday or Auckland where they might finish on Saturday and then potentially start Sunday at Melbourne Park. So they've opted for sort of the one... Some get one match, some play two matches here. And... Um, you know, it's just, it fills that sort of, you know, it's all about before the Australian Open picking off the menu, and I think we're a good part of that. So who have you got? If we head there tomorrow, who will we be seeing? Yeah, so it's a good one. Tomorrow, so we start at 11, and Yannick Sinner, uh, the world number four, so he hasn't played anything in Australia or even um, overseas. He hasn't played any lead-up matches this year. So he plays Mark Polmans, the Aussie, who's a local Kuyong boy, um, who's an Aussie Open wildcard. So that's first up, then uh, Sir Andy Murray playing Marin Cilic. Um, Holger Rune, who people would have seen last week uh, in Brisbane, you know, and he's, he got to number four last year and he's only 20 or just turning 21. Holger Rune plays Karen Karchinov. Um, and then Francis Tiafo plays Zhang Zhen, who is the best player in the history of China. So it's four mm. ripper matches. And the weather's looking good for you as well, which uh, is always synonymous with Kuyong, uh, bring a hat because it's always um, nice to get along and enjoy the sunshine. It looks like it's going to smile on you. Yeah, yesterday was probably being a boat, but um, <laughs> it's really it's it's looking pretty good. The forecast and uh, look, lots lots more shade here than uh, we've really bolstered the shade in the centre court and out in the the common area. So look, Dwayne, it's a really good day for anyone to come down. It's a full day, lots of activity, lots of tennis, and uh, you know, just a great place to be. So you've been around a long time, Peter. I shouldn't say it like that, but you're a professional in your own right. Going back, you've seen the evolution of tournaments in Australia. The Australian Open was played at Kuyong for those too young to know that. But the preparation of players, has that changed over time? How much has it changed? Yeah, well, a lot really, Dwayne, especially the last few years. And I think it's a good one to watch this year because let's say Alcaraz and um, Sinner, both young guys, Alcaraz already a two-time Grand Slam champion. Well, he's played an XO in um, uh, Saudi against Novak, um, and he's playing this one at uh, Melbourne Park, like on, on one of the nights this week. So he's going in with really just playing two XOs. So the the and then Yannick Sinner played right up to the end of last year, like he 
in, in the ATP finals. He reached the final there, um, beat Novak before he lost to Novak because it was round robin, and then played Davis Cup and beat Novak again. So he kind of has this, he's coming in fresh. Medvedev, who's ranked three in the world, is coming in totally fresh. And I think it's because they play a lot towards the end of the year and there's a lot of XO money in different parts of the world. So, yeah, it's certainly changed over the years. And I think that's why Kuyong has to be one or two matches. Because if we try and tell everyone to play three, they're just going to go, well, we're not, that's not for us. So, yeah, a lot of changes over the last few years. You've got the big guns as well who want to be there late in the second week. So I presume they don't want to get too much under their belt early, but there would be a lot of players that just want to get to round three, perhaps that would be pretty much firing right now on all cylinders with nothing left in the bank, maybe, if they get to the second week, because, I mean, in some regards, they know they're not going to get there. Yeah, well, I think most of the players down here, are, look, you know, if your eyes are on the, you know, to go deep into the second week, and that's why it's all very much pacing themselves, and some are looking at the schedule and going, look... You know, I don't really want to play Wednesday or, or, or I want to play Wednesday, but I don't really want to play Friday. You know, they're, they're really just getting that fine tuning of their daily practice, etc. because, yeah, they're not there to get a match at the Australian Open. They're, you know, they're, they're here to go all the way. So Novak, you've seen the evolution of Novak as well. I mean, it's in a lot of people's mind undisputed that he's the best that's ever been. Do you think that that is the case now and he's still got a few to win you would think before he retires. Um, is there something special about Novak? Yeah, look, for me, Dwayne, when you think about it, what for coming for 11 Australian Opens, um, just there's every stat says that he's, you know, he's got the most of the slams, most of the Masters 1000, done everything. I, I just think he's so incredible in terms of just how he maintains his enthusiasm, how he prepares, he's so meticulous. I did a tournament a couple of years ago with him in Tel Aviv and had to sort of look after him and his team all week. What struck me was there's not a moment where he's off the clock. You know, everything's, mm. even to the type of way his, his fruit is cut or whatever, everything's managed. But <laughs> he can incorporate within that, like, all these public appearances as well. You know, and he, even in the United Cup last week, you know, he bumps into the goes into when the Chinese are doing the press conference and speaks a bit of Chinese. And, like, he, yep. he, he embraces... It just seems to have this love of it, which all which these big guys have had, haven't they, over the years? You know, they still Federer love the game. Rafa just looks so pumped to be back last week. But Novak has just had it ongoing for so many years. Looks as fresh as you know a guy in his early twenties. And relatable. It seems like a lot of the greats that we've had in this era coming through um, have been. Well, they seem happy to do the presses. Have you found that they're good to work with? Yeah. Well, well I think. You, you, you just never push the boundary too far, but they get it. Yep. They, they get what they have to do. They're used to doing it. it. You know, the onus is on the tournament side to make it sort of fit in. I mean, you can't say to Novak, uh, listen, could you nick up to Dalesford for an yep. appearance? You know, that, but you can you tailor things that sort of, you know, work within their, system, their, their schedule. And then you find that they can turn the switch on when they... You know, and, and, and you know, they're always on show. They're, they can't put a foot wrong or that's in the public domain. So that, over the years, they just put it, um, you know, they know what to do. But I do like the way he, he especially looks like he actually really loves it, which is, which is amazing. So if anyone beats him, who's it going to be next week or the week after? Look, I'm not just saying it because he's down here, but Yannick Sinner is the guy who's coming with the run, I think. Um, we, look, people haven't seen that much of Alcaraz, obviously, because he pulled out last year. 
and you know he's got two slams under his belt. But Sinner just seems to be playing that tennis that's he just seems to be improving all the time, and he's he's just I think he's a massive chance. Uh, uh, I'd still, if you ask me to pick one, I'd still pick Novak, but Sinner's my next guy for sure. And in the women's draw, uh, Spiontek, I think is just doing fantastically well. But the one I'd actually throw well and truly into the mix is Rabakina, Elena Rabakina. Um, she just she won convincingly last year in Brisbane. She's a Wimbledon champ. Again, just does everything right, keeps it pretty low key, and uh, yeah, I. I, 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 she, she's my, she's my pick this year. And what about the? I mean, you are tournament director, so rules are something that you have to look at. What do you have? Is it difficult? The heat policy, the um, policy that the Australian Open organisers, like Craig Tiley, have, where they probably don't want people playing until three in the morning, but it does happen. How tough is it to have the parameters that will suit the players? Because I'm sure if it ends up being forty degrees on on Thursday or Friday. Uh, that uh, a few of the players don't want themselves cooked for the first round of the Australian Open. Yeah, I, I, well, you mean what we would do, say, with the heat here? Is yeah, yeah. Might, and in terms of what should be done, because, I mean, you can't have your tournament as a war of attrition because it's a leading tournament to the Australian Open. But we have always loved the Australian Open for the fact that it is a war of attrition sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I think with the... Say with Kuyong itself, like, we... And we've had the situation before, a few years with Sharapova playing Laura Sigmund. They were playing, and it was the bushfire time. And, um, you know, we, we sort of... We, we actually just stopped the match. You know, we were mm. just not in the in the business of we must get a result because we're an exhibition and we could do that. The, 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 the difficulty or the hard thing with coming up with heat policies and, um, uh, well, and late finishes, etc., is there's so many competing forces because, let's say, for Australian Open... You know, they've got to deliver for so many broadcasters and betting companies, streaming companies, this number of matches this day. And then so, you know, it's seen in every time zone. So if you don't put a match on at 11 o'clock at night, which makes a lot of sense in Melbourne, you know, the, the Northern Hemisphere is going, where's my match? You know, yep. <laughs> and, uh, yep. so you, you've always got those pressures. And the hard thing with tennis, especially with the slams, is you've got the five sets in the men's, so it's so much more intangible, isn't it? Like, you, you know, is this match going to go three, four, or five? So it, it's a struggle. I mean, the new thing for Australian Open, which people I don't will have noticed until they get there, but the day session now is only two matches, not three. Um, so you've got there, like you used to get two women's and a men's each day on Rod Laver. Uh, yeah, Rod Lever Arena is the one I'm talking about. But you used to get the three matches. Now you're only yep. getting the two. And that's a constant... It's an effort to make sure that the night session starts exactly on time. But, gee, it's hard to keep all parties happy. So what's your parameter for success for your tournament, Peter? Is it more the more, more people through the gates? Or is it your TV numbers? Is it players being happy and getting to the Australian Open saying, I want to be back next year? Well, I think the players being happy helps in recruiting each year, which, because we're not getting an entry, we've got to recruit and find mm. players. But the benchmark for how we judge it is, you know, we're strongly driven by the two main, the three main things. There's the sponsorship, which Care Wellness is our title sponsor, and we've got some good other partners. But our broadcast, which helps the sponsorship, but we're in about uh, 19 countries now with uh, with our coverage. So that's another, that they Relate, uh, relate to each other and then the other part is obviously the public ticket sales and the corporates so you know we've got to do well on all those things and um, but tickets tracking really well interest from 
broadcasters internationally is good. Like let's say Zhang Zijian, the, the, the Chinese guy, well, we're on in China and Care Wellness is in China. Mm. So everyone's happy. So you've got to sort of tailor it, <laughs> cut the cloth to suit hmm. what, your, what your benchmarks are. Peter, great to have a chat to you. Good luck with it. So gates open at what time tomorrow morning? Yeah, so 9am opening with an 11am start with uh, Sinner and Palmer. Okay, and there's uh, some some enjoyment to be had outside of just watching the tennis. Uh, I mean, the Australian Open has become one of those events where you can actually go there and have a good time without even seeing a ball hit. I'm, not, I'm sure yeah. you're probably not not like that so much, but I'm sure you've got some good food and some entertainment around it as well. Yeah, look, I'm just looking out over where the, the Mitchelton Bar is. and There's plenty of places yeah. to get a drink and um, lots of activities, like a lot of activations, you know, kids' stuff, speed serving, uh, pickleball, we're going big on the pickleball again this year. That's uh, really getting a foothold in the, um, in the, in the sporting world. So, uh, yeah, we just try and throw a lot of activities so you can enjoy a, a full day. And after five o'clock, a bit of music as well. It all counts, Peter. It all counts. I mean, the NBL, get people there because kids love it and you want to take your kids somewhere where they love it. The Spring Carnival, there's a lot of people who go there, don't even see a horse. Um, it's, it, it's a flavour around it as well. You've got you to be part of that fun atmosphere and I know you are up with that as well we'll talk soon yeah good on you Dwayne cheers Peter Johnson tournament director at Kuyong gates open at nine plenty of activations take your kids down uh, and if you've got a thought on it I mean that is it is sport now it is it is the way of the sporting world and if you've got a thought on it one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I like the fact that I go to the Australian Open just about every year and every year it's a little bit different every year it's bigger and every year, I think it's fun without actually seeing the ball hit some days. The Spring Carnival is the same. Love the Spring Carnival. And you could argue the F1, even though you can hear the cars. There's a lot of people these days who just love going to the F1, regardless of the fact that the cars are there. Um, it's just the atmosphere. 